In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady, Tower of Ivory, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So it's September, it's the beginning of a new school year, and having so many colleges around, it's easy to see that our youth are still dating. Not much changes. And several people have asked me for guidance around this topic, because it's something that the church doesn't really talk about as much to our youth as she should. Uh, and especially as cultural expectations, there's all these pressures on people to date in a certain way, and it can just be harmful to everyone involved. So that's where this talk kind of comes from. In 1962, there was a vocations video released by the Franciscans. It's very dated, and it's hilarious, uh, because it's so old-fashioned and just goofy by our, by our own standards. It's called The Challenge, and it stars a very young Jack Nicholson in what I think is his first role. Now, knowing what other films Nicholson went on to do afterwards makes it more entertaining than it already is. But there's this moment that sticks out to me, especially as it pertains to, to Catholic dating. Uh, the challenge, it follows a young man, who's played by Nicholson, of course, who thinks God is calling him to be a priest. Once he makes the decision to enter seminary, he then has to tell everyone about his decision. And he eventually has to tell his girlfriend, Kathy. Uh, when he does, she looks disappointed, of course. They did, after all, have some swell times together. Uh, and they might have gotten married had Nicholson not entered the seminary. She wishes him luck and sees him off. And then after the ordination, we get to see Kathy again, and she's getting, she's there with her husband and her children, and they're all getting first blessings from a newly ordained Nicholson. What struck me about the film was how easy the breakup was. You know, there was no animosity between the two of them. Uh, they understood that each of them was moving in a different direction in life. Uh, there wasn't this agony that the youth go through today whenever they break up. There was no crying or yelling or anger or vows of revenge. It was not long and drawn out. It was more about reason and rationality. If a man wants to become a priest, he can't get married. The girl still wants to get married, so therefore that relationship isn't going to go on, and they go their separate ways, and they both live the lives that they want to live. The reason their breakup was so easy was because dating was different back then compared to what it is today. And we would do well to take some lessons from the structure of dating several, de several decades ago. But before we get into that, I have to remind everyone that the end of dating, the goal of dating, has to be marriage. If you do not think you should get married, then you should not date. Dating should always be done with a purpose and not just as an end in itself. If along the process of dating someone you realize that you cannot spend the rest of your life with that person, you should stop dating them. You should move them into the friend zone and then uh, date other people if that's where you think you're still called, but not that person. It's a matter of justice, so you can find someone else to marry, and that person is free then to find someone else that they can marry. The first thing to say about current dating is that it has a few things missing. It's no longer does a couple kiss each other goodnight on the first date, which is also too far, but a question of whether or not they try to consummate the relationship on the first night. As humans, that is not natural, and it all goes back to how we were designed by God. When I think about attachments, I think about uh, children growing up. 
and how they're meant to bond with their parents. They're meant to be close to them, and they're meant to look to them for protection. And when a child clings to too many people, especially complete strangers, you know that there's a problem there. Pediatric nurses might think it's cute and adorable when a child you know, really gives them a big hug and is hanging on to them when they first meet, but that's not how children are supposed to be. They're supposed to be guarded around strangers uh, because they have no history with the person that they've just met. They don't know who they are or whether or not this person is actually safe. And that's the first thing that our current model of dating lacks. It's history. People will skip the steps to marriage that all relationships should go through. The journey to marriage should start with friendship, getting to know the person. Then you can date them, then courtship, then engagement, and finally marriage. Instead, couples tend to go immediately to courtship, then, uh, but without marriage as the point of it all. They skip getting to know the other person, and the relationship becomes twisted even more so when you put sexual immorality into the mix. If you truly want to be free in a relationship, you cannot sleep with your boyfriend or girlfriend because that creates a false attachment. A lack of history means that they don't know each other. They have not spent the necessary time on seeing the other person as a human being. They haven't seen them as made in the image of God. And they do not get that it all points to the end, which is fatherhood or motherhood. For it is fatherhood and motherhood, respectively, that fulfill masculinity and in men and femininity femininity in women. Dating is the beginning of that, to acknowledge the other and to seek union with the other for the sake of heaven. The way society currently does dating leads directly into a divorce, the divorce, the setup is that way. Because what type of relationship do youth start off dating? They immediately start with an exclusive relationship. The youth cannot date pe multiple people at once because their society has effectively romanticized love. AKA, we've made it into too much about emotions and not enough about reality and rationality. The stakes are raised too high too fast when they start dating, and they can only get to know one person at a time. This starts them off in an unfair pattern for all the parties who are involved. When you can only get to know one person at a time, the clock immediately starts ticking. The youth have to know everything about this person. They can become jealous, especially when sex is involved because they only want the other for themselves. But their re that relationship is a house built on sand. And what happens to that house when the rainstorms come? They sweep it away and it collapses. The relationship has no history to stand on. It only has emotion, which can change faster than the direction of the wind. The new pattern formed when, from its beginning, uh, when dating is exclusive, is as follows. The relationship becomes about how couples make each other feel. When the feelings are gone, then it's time to break up. People who date in this way are like emotional vampires. They suck all the enjoyment out that they can out of this one person. And when that enjoyment's gone, that, well, then they move on to the next one. They suck all the enjoyment out of that relationship. And then they move on to the next. And the cycle keeps repeating itself over and over. And at some point, they decide that they really want to make a relationship work. They really want to make it last a little bit longer and they want to give it a little injection of good feelings, so they decide to move in with each other. And then what happens, of course, is that it doesn't work out, and they end up breaking up, but then they're in that same pattern, where they have to move in with the next person, and the stakes get raised yet again, and the same mistakes happen over and over and over again. There are other ways that they try to save feelings for the other, 
by having children out of wedlock, which is so sad because they're using another human being, they're using a baby to help uh, bind another person to themselves, to help keep them together. And they'll even try to use marriage itself as another thing to try when the relationship is failing. If only they make vows to each other, they'll suddenly become friends and all their struggles will go away and they'll enjoy their relationship once again. That's the lie told by our society to our youth, that marriage is not the point of dating, but a way to save dating. We have to always remind ourselves that marriage is the end of dating. Society views marriage in the same way as it views dating. It sees it as another stage of it, uh, and as being something that's all about emotion and maximizing pleasure. When marriage is not about pleasure, that's when it can be about love. It's about doing what you're supposed to do in marriage, having children and educating them to know and love God, all the while working to help build up your spouse to get to heaven. If that is not why you want to get married, then you need to wait a little bit before your views change. Marriage is about staying together through both easy times and hard times. It gives stability to the couple and stability to the children. Marriage is not about doing what is easy, but about doing what is right. And that's why the core virtue of marriage is actually justice and not love. That might surprise some of you, but think about it. There's a very specific purpose to marriage, and it cannot be separated from the end of having and educating children. It takes a man and a woman to do that. And don't get me wrong, everything you do in marriage, every sacrifice that you make, it all has to be done with love undergirding all of it and supporting it. But justice regarding both our natural and supernatural ends is what marriage is actually about. Now that you see the grand scheming, uh, scheme of data, dating and how it's failed and how that leads to more failed marriages, you know, today over half our, our couples are ending in divorce, we can talk about dating itself. We might call many things dating now, but there are really a few stages uh, that are on the pathway to marriage, dating being only one of those stages. There's a general breakdown of how dating should go. Some stages are shorter and some are longer, depending on the culture and the person and how you meet them. So this isn't, uh, you know, of course marriage will be the last one, but this isn't like really set and fixed. It's just the way things should go. Uh, And sometimes couples will spend a little less time in one of these stages than another. So the stages are friendship, dating, courtship, engagement, and then marriage. So stage one, friendship. Every relationship should start with a friendship. Uh, This can flow almost immediately into dating, but you need to start building that history with someone. You need to get to know who they really are. Friendships need to start off as platonic because they need to be free and objective. And stage two is when we get into dating. Dating is simply what the name is. It's choosing a date and going out. Dates are meant to be not to do a couple things. Number one, increase the friendship that you have. And number two, to help you see the other person in different contexts, see these different aspects of their personality. Dating is more about observing. Romance should not be the reason that people date. Our society has effectively romanticized love and made it more about emotion than the other person who's right in front of them. More about emotion than what is right more about emotion than about justice. Dating is a time where where you should begin to see how the other person is to be around. 
Remember to always be thinking about marriage in the back of your mind. Can you marry Monica if she eats more than you, belches louder than you, and chews with her mouth open? You know, it's uh, it's a, there are questions that you have to ask, because if you can't deal with that, then you need to end it, right? Uh, because Monica is not going to change. This is where uh, some of the, these things begin to show themselves in, in the dating stage. You need to gauge whether or not you can actually live with that. You still need to be detached from the person in the dating stage so you can have that clear judgment. The more dates you go on with the other person, and if you start to see things you really don't like, then you need to, then you can leave. That's the whole point of not getting attached at this stage. Dating is not meant to be exclusive. You can be friends with multiple people of the opposite sex, and you can date all of them. Uh, because dates are simply what the name implies. They're, they're picking a date, they're going somewhere, they're doing a common activity together. They're seeing the other person in another way. And if it remains a friendship, no problem, right? Problems start where there is any sort of displays of affection, like touching or kissing. Any signs of physical uh, affection create bonds with other people. You know, your brain, even when you hug, it releases a hormone called oxytocin, a.k.a. the cuddle hormone. The dating stage is not about creating chemical bonds with someone. Uh, That happens in marriage, and that's to solidify that bond in matrimony. You both need to be able to walk away at any time before marriage without any attachment. You know, physical affection when dating will actually undermine your relationship. It'll make it be about the wrong things. The more virtuous the person is that you're dating, the easier your marriage is going to be. And you should start seeing what kind of virtue the other person has that you are dating. Uh, You know, can she control herself and can you control yourself? If either of you cannot, then it's either time to end the relationship or take a break, take some time off. Um, And I think many couples struggle here. But if you can overcome yourselves, then you're going to be a lot stronger for both you and for your spouse when you get married. The habits you form when you're dating are going to continue into marriage, for better or for worse. If you like the way she has about her, uh, and if she is a true woman and calls you to be more, then you can consider the next stage, which is courtship. Courtship is where marriage is directly on your mind. Uh, the thought of marriage might have been a little further off when you're, when you're dating, but courtship is taking it to the next level. Uh, it's where the friendship should actually become exclusive. Uh, when you start courting someone, you're not dating anyone else. And the couple begins to discern whether or not they should get married. It's, it's a very specific discernment. I mean, trying not to get other distractions in there with other people. Uh, you can still remain friends with other people, but, you know, you just spend a little bit less time with them. Courtship is no longer about going on dates with Angela, Pamela, Sandra, and Rita. It's a time of paring down, so you can really get to know just one of them. A couple will spend more time around each other and see each other in different contexts. However, they should never be alone together. Courtship is also about meeting and getting to know the family of the other. There's that joke that you're actually marrying your, your spouse's family as well, uh, which is true. You, it's a package deal. The person comes with this history, they come with their own family, and you have to be aware of what that is. Uh, but speaking of which, a great way for the man to officially begin courtship is for the man to ask the woman's father for his blessing uh, in courting the woman with the intention of getting married. Uh, That way, your possible future father-in-law will know why you're spending this time with his daughter, and it's not this awkward thing if you go to ask him for his daughter's hand in marriage, 
and he says no, seemingly out of nowhere, and you don't really know what to do. That's why it's good to say, this is my intention, I don't know if this is going to be the way it ends, but this is what I'm thinking, is that okay with you? There's more clarity when you ask sooner, uh, which at this tender point in the relationship is crucial. The courtship stage is where the personality of the other really starts to come out. Only being able to court one person helps you focus on what she's really like. I think it was Chris Rock who said that you really don't date someone for the first three months you're going out with them. You're really dating the representative, uh, the person that they want you to see who they are. Uh, when you see them in more context, and you see them in more different ways, how they interact with their family, how they are with their friends and with your friends, then you see more of what their personality is like. More of them starts to come out. And once again, like dating, keep your mind on marriage. Uh, can you live with someone who doesn't stop talking or ha always has to have a better story than you no matter what? You know, whatever it is, is that going to be a deal breaker? If the answer is yes, then break it off. Go back to being friends and, you know, free each other up to date other people. Being able to let go of someone when you find something unacceptable is about justice. You know, especially preserving their, their youth uh, and especially the woman since she can only have children in the prime of her bodily health. Uh, you know, the man, it's, it's not such, a, such an issue, uh, but especially the, the women tend to get short, um, they tend to get shorted in these relationships more than the guys do. You might ask if you can start showing affection now in this stage, but the answer is still no. Uh, courtship is about self-denial. It is about showing mastery over your own passions because there will be times in marriage where you will absolutely need self-control if you're to live out your vows and live them out well. You will not be able to have sexual intercourse at any time that you want, even when you are married. There might be some unexpected health issue that prevents it, or you might be fasting before receiving the Holy Eucharist. So you need to be sure that you can live virtuously before these difficulties arise. The woman should ask the following questions during the courtship phase. Can this man fulfill his obligations in marriage and support you? Not that money is everything, but he should be at the point in life where he can support himself and possible children. If he cannot, then you should wait until he can or, or end the courtship. It may turn out that he's the sort of guy who never will be ready to support you and children. And so it's, it's better to take a break and, and figure that out. Uh, than, than to you know, march headlong into a relationship that you're really not ready for. The man should ask whether or not this woman will be a good wife and a good mother. If the answer is no, then go back to step one. You, know, right? you cannot assume that she's going to change. You have to accept them. On the day of your marriage, you have to accept them as they are. And if you can't do that, uh, then, then wait or find someone else. There is one big question in the background of the courtship stage that both parties need to ask themselves before either proposing or being proposed to. Can you spend the rest of your life with this person? It all comes down to that. Meaning, will you be able to live with them if they never change? When you are at the point of thinking about engagement, you should already love them. That is, you should will what's good for them. Uh, but you should also be at the point where you want to stay with them for the rest of your life. You want to be around them, where you're always thinking about them. And, you know, the, the, the feelings are, are strong, but also it makes sense um, that uh, love is never settled until you find out more, right? It's why the saints kept wanting to learn more about God, because love, it, 
having more knowledge of a person increases how much you can love them. Having more knowledge of God increases how much you can love God. And so you wanting to be around them is another sign that you want to know more about them, that you want your love to go deeper with them than it did before. Everyone has the right to marry, but we do not have the right to a happy marriage. There are all these different compatibility tests out there for couples, uh, and a priest will select them, one of them, and give them to a couple when they're thinking about getting married. They go through different aspects of living together, finances, children, conflict resolution, and communication. But I think the biggest component of these tests is faith. If you want both a happy and an easy marriage, or easier marriage, you should both share the same religion. If you share the same faith with your spouse-to-be, then your life is going to be easier. Raising children will be done on a united front since you're both going to be on the same page. Sharing the same faith is another way you can connect with your spouse. It is more time you can spend together. It is more that you can talk about together. You can help each other pray and live out a virtuous life if you're both Catholic. Not sharing the same faith lends itself to more conflicts. Children will notice and will ask questions like, why doesn't daddy go to church on Sundays? Which will then eventually become, I don't want to go to church either. If dad doesn't have to go, I, can't, I don't have to go either. And so you'll be fighting more battles, uh, both with your spouse and with your children and pretty much everyone who's involved. Look to St. Monica as a warning for those who get married rashly. She married a pagan at a time in her life when she was addicted to alcohol and was making bad choices. Later, she became a Catholic, but the next 20 years of her life after that happened, they're all in agony as she was trying to deal with this husband who she probably shouldn't have married uh, to begin with, and a son who lived most of his life away from God. He was running away from God, and he was running away from her. She chased him, you know, I think through three continents uh, to, to go after St. Augustine to get him to really believe in God and know who he was. So do not take the time to, if you do not take the time to find good spouse material, then you're going to pay for that for years upon end, uh, and in many ways that you can't even anticipate. You might want to get married to each other, you might love each other, and mostly want the same things, but some personalities clash more than others. Courtship engagement are times where, when you figure out whether or not you can spend the rest of your life with that personality. Sometimes a tough personality is a deal breaker, especially since marriage is for life. And if you can't take it, then you shouldn't pursue that person anymore. A good bit of advice I can give you is to be more cerebral about courtship than you think you should be. It's not about the feelings. Uh, if the person you are courting has a tough personality and you can deal with it, that's great. Go to the next step. Keep courting them. Keep dating them. Keep finding out more about them and moving towards marriage. Uh, if you can't, then end it for, for justice sake in both of those. You might now be thinking, well, what if the person I'm courting has some difficulty, but I think I can deal with it if I have a little bit more time. Or more common, I think, I, I think they'll change as time goes on. Uh, don't think the other person will ever change, and don't think that it'll ever become easier for you. Uh, in certain aspects, it will become easier, but in the most part, you have to take the person as they are. When you're asked to recite your vows at the marriage, You'll be accepting your spouse as he or she is. If you think you need more time to change, be very cautious about that. You will spend years waiting on yourself and not knowing whether or not you've made any progress. You will need to objectify whatever it is that you want to change 
and then take steps towards that. If you cannot take steps that will help you or change, help you change or deal with that other person, then once again, it's time to, to move on, time to go back uh, to, to step one. It's a matter of justice, and you don't want to be wasting each other's youth on the other person when that person could have spent time being married, having a family, and raising children. Stage four is engagement. Engagement is a time when you try to gauge whether or not you can deal with spending the life, rest of your life around this other person. And it's, uh, it's more so than, than courtship even. If you do not want to spend the rest of your life with that person, then don't get engaged. It's that simple. You need to break off the courtship so the other person you can find someone to actually marry. And it's a matter of justice. It's a matter of doing what's right by the other person. Engagement would also be a time to continue talking about life issues. This would also be the proper stage for big truths to come out if they haven't already. For instance, your spouse-to-be should know whether or not you have mental illness or you can have children or not. Uh, they do not need to know your vices unless they have an effect on the marriage itself, i.e. you're addicted to gambling or alcohol or you're selling drugs, big things like that. You may begin showing affection to each other at this stage, but it's limited. If you are going to kiss, it has to be a chaste kiss, right? You cannot kiss your fiancé in a way that you would not kiss your mom. That's the guideline that I give to couples. Passionate kissing starts an incomplete pleasure pathway in your brain, which can only be completed by orgasm. Inappropriate kissing actually then becomes part of the sexual act. Getting sexually aroused is a sexual act, and it's unacceptable outside of marriage, especially when you can do something about it to avoid it. Uh, here is what Pope Alexander VII in 1666 has officially pronounced about passionate kissing, that a kiss is not merely a venial sin when performed for the sake of the carnal and sensible delight which arises from the kiss, even if the danger of further consent and pollution is excluded. So passionate kissing is a mortal sin as officially decreed by the church. In a way, passionate kissing is also mimicking the marital act and should be reserved only to married couples. Just as a little sidebar to think about, even if passionate kissing is done without the possibility of escalating to something else, it's still a mortal sin. And knowing that, how many times do we see this sort of thing in our daily lives? What kind of media do our youth watch? What kind of movies do we see? When we watch these movies, we're seeing actors and actresses committing all sorts of grave sins. And my question is, what does that do to our own psyches? What does that do for our own expectations on relationships? How does that change us? Perhaps that's the reason why our youth feel so much pressure uh, to have all kinds of sexual encounters with each other before they're married. Putting garbage into your mind and your heart means that eventually your minds and your hearts are going to start producing garbage. Watching movies and shows that give unreal expectations about dating will wear down even the best and progressively warp their minds. My advice is to cut out that sort of media from your life, uh, anything which enables displays of unchaste practices. Think of hugs in the same way as passionate kissing. Short hugs with the waist out are acceptable. Holding hands, fine. But always check yourself and make sure that you're not tempting your fiancé and leading them to sin. If you're asking questions about how much you can do with the person you're engaged to or dating, then you're approaching the relationship in the wrong way. It's not about what you can get away with. It's about how much you can show true love to the other person by denying yourself like Christ on the cross 
by building virtue which will last into marriage and then beyond marriage into everlasting life. One last thing about engagement is a as a practice uh, is that it's somewhat gone by the wayside, but it's coming back to our youth is the right of betrothal. So that's a series of promises that each of the, the couple will make that they're going to indeed get married and that they wouldn't be able to break that bond unless there's a serious reason that that comes up. Um, and the part of that is the any property that's exchanged gets returned to the person. So if it doesn't work out, then the guy at least will get a ring out of it. Stage five is marriage, of course, the end of all of it. That's the stage that dating, all of dating, all of those previous stages are all pointing towards. Dating is the process uh, to finding out if you're compatible or not. You should not be dating if you do not want to get married. Dating falls under the practical sphere and not the speculative. Speculative sciences are good to study in and of themselves, while practical sciences are about accomplishing something. Dating is not done for the sake of enjoying dating. Dating is done for marriage. Marriage is about vowing the following for life. That has to be lifelong fidelity and children. You know, lifelong, you're going to stay together no matter what. You have to mean that bit about till death do us part, otherwise we cannot marry you. Fidelity, you cannot think that you can have flings or sexual encounters with anyone else other than your spouse. Children, you need to be open to having them uh, from day one. You know, no contraception is ever acceptable. Even re regulating births in a more natural way, it has to be done for a grave reason. And I think that's a bit that we all forget about. Uh, meaning that regulating birds just to regulate them is mortally sinful. Pope uh, Paul VI came down on this in Humanae Vitae, and the church has echoed this beforehand in Casti Canubi and other documents preceding it. The process of getting married starts by meeting with a priest because that's about establishing freedom to marry. If one of the above is missing, one of those three things, then you need to be prepared to have either a longer engagement or uh, the wedding night has to be called off. If you're baptized, the whole sacrament of marriage revolves around baptism. So if you are baptized, you must schedule a meeting with a priest. Baptism means that you're no longer a free agent. You can't contract a natural marriage if you are baptized, if you have God's sacramental life within you. You must give consent before God, and God is the one who extends that baptismal bond to the other person in the holy bond of matrimony. Uh, you cannot do that on your own if you've been baptized. Here are just some concluding thoughts for you. Advice to the men out there is that women want to be pursued. They want to be the prize, so to speak. They want you to do heroic things to win them over. Choosing them over choosing video games or whatever else it is is going to be attractive to them. If you think you should be married, start by getting to know the women around you and look for those who would make good wives. Advice to women out there is don't settle for less. Have your standards and encourage your boyfriend to be more than he is. A problem nowadays is that women let men remain boys and so they never grow up. Don't expect to change him, but never lower your standards. Always keep your integrity for what is right and what is wrong will not change based on how either of you feels on a given day. Also, ladies, don't go looking for trouble. More often than not, the relationship does not work when the woman initiates it. If you want to be courted, focus on your own prayer life. Focus on performing virtuous acts. If he is the man for you, if he's really a, a good fit for you, 
He will be attracted to you. He will find you. And if you want to be approached by a man, don't spend all your time surrounded by your friends. That can make you more intimidating when you really want to give him an opportunity to talk to you, to break the ice. Also be aware of what you wear. If you wear clothes that over-accentuate your physical value, you're going to drown out your other, more personal, more significant, and lasting values. Women have everything to gain from dressing modestly and everything to lose if they don't. If the person you are dating puts too much pressure on you too soon, especially when it comes to matters of chastity, do not allow yourself to be led into temptation. Uh, that means that you have to stop dating them right then and there. Let them know what the expectations are before entering a relationship so you can avoid wasting time on someone who's going to lead you into sin, who's going to keep trying to draw you down throughout that whole experience of dating. If someone is waiting for an annulment, then they should not be dating. An annulment declares that something was missing and the vows were supposedly exchanged, which means that the marriage never happened in the first place. Children are still legitimate if they're from an annulled marriage, since uh, everyone assumed that the marriage was valid. If the investigation finds that this person really is married to the one they intend to get the annulment for, then they're in trouble since they've been unfaithful to their spouse during this whole annulment process by dating and seeing uh, other people. We assume all marriages done in the church are valid until the annulment proves otherwise. Uh, if, if he wants to date you but he's still waiting on the annulment, then run or tell him to hold off. Give, give him the time. Uh, to, to get it done, but you shouldn't think that things will be much different with you. Uh, I, looking at like someone like King Henry VIII, you know, Anne Boylan, okay, maybe he, she thought it was about love, but, you know, wives three, four, and five, uh, come on, he was going to do the exact same thing to you. So uh, know that previous patterns often tend to be future patterns. Don't get involved with the person until you have an answer on their marriage status. As I said, no dating unless marriage is the goal, and marriage cannot be the goal if someone is currently married. St. Paul says it's better to remain single and to worry about the things of God rather than be married and be concerned about your husband. For, for both men and women, if you are single, be content where you are. You will pay big time if you become desperate and lower your standards. Accepting someone less than you deserve will either drag you down or make the relationship more difficult than it needs to be. There are, are unreal expectations, like wanting to marry a surgeon who treats the wounds of shelter animals in his spare time while taking care of his bedroom mother and playing gigs on the weekends with his band. Uh, real expectations are wanting a spouse who will take their faith as seriously as you take your faith, someone who respects the morality of the church, who will challenge you to grow in your relationship with God, and who can support you and your family. What both men and women should look for uh, is someone who is capable of self-sacrifice and self-discipline. Both get harder after you tie the knot, and they get harder yet again at when children come along, which is why you need to slow down and get to know who the other person really is by dating them well, by dating them in the appropriate way. Marriage raises the stakes, especially when children come into the picture, there is justice to each other and justice to your future children. Those are all obligations that don't go away in marriage. So find someone who can handle being a good father and a good mother, someone who will be a good husband and a good wife. Self-discipline shows that the person can control their passions. 
And self-sacrifice shows that the person is capable of charity, uh, both of which are essential to long and happy marriages. Know that these stages uh, are not always this exact in the dating world. Uh, I do believe that they're an excellent guide for tracking the progress of your relationship. I also think that friendship is the biggest component that's missing from current relationships and needs to return to the process of dating if you're to see a strengthening of marriages and marriages that last. My hope is that uh, if you see how broken our current way of dating is, if you see how the system is wrong, then you can also see uh, the way that you approach dating needs to change if you're not doing these things already. If you don't believe me, then keep dating exactly as it is. But if you do the divorce rate, the agony over breakups, the unnecessary attachments, the relationships drag, getting dragged out longer than they should be, etc., it's all going to stay the same. If nothing changes, then nothing will change. So my ending advice is to change the way you approach dating and you approach the other person. If you're going to date, then date for marriage. Uh, follow the guidelines I've laid out for you. And if you want to stop wasting your time on pointless relationships that go nowhere and end in heartbreak, uh, then, then look to these guidelines, look to these different stages. If you use dating as God intended, you will find yourself a holy and virtuous spouse with whom you can share your life and who will help lead you to heaven.